Welcome to the podcast of Apostolic Lighthouse Tabernacle. You can find out more about our church at lighthouseofmaslin.com or join us for worship Sundays at 11. We pray this message will be a blessing to you. What a unique time of year Christmas is when all across the Western world the supposed most secular of Earth's societies, all across the nations that do their best to uh, strip Christianity from the culture, yet every store you walk into, you hear songs of the Savior's birth. Every restaurant you eat at, you hear it being sung about. It's something that cannot be erased. It's something that cannot be stolen from us. All of time is measured from this night 2,000 years ago, the moment Jesus stepped into the world. And though they changed it from the year of our Lord to before common time and after the common era, before the common era, after the common, you have to ask the question, when did that start? And the answer remains the same, the day that Jesus came into this world. I'm reading from the book of Isaiah, chapter 9 and verse 6. For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful, Counselor, the Mighty God, the Everlasting Father, and the Prince of Peace. It's the same chapter, but in verse 2, just a few verses before, this is what the great prophet Isaiah said. And it's amazing, we're reading words that were written 700 years before the birth of Christ. And in the midst of all this long prophecy regarding the people of Israel, he stops over and over again. It's like the spirit can't contain it. And all of a sudden, he just burst into the future and said, unto us a child is born. Isaiah chapter 9 and verse 2. The people that walked in darkness have seen a great light. They that dwell in the land of the shadow of death, upon them hath the light shined. These words are repeated in Matthew chapter 4. The exact words. The people which sat in darkness saw a great light. And to them which sat in the region of the shadow of death, light is sprung. I want to talk to you just for a few moments about light in the darkness. Would you pray with me? Jesus, I love you. There's no one like you, Lord. You're not some God afar off, some deity of long ago, but Lord, you are alive and you are near us tonight. And I thank you for your presence and your touch. In Jesus' name, in Jesus' name, amen. It is the darkest time of the year physically. And the first night, it was also the darkest time of God's people spiritually. But this night, two things pierce through the darkness. The light of a special star created just for him. And the cry of a baby. And with these two things that are seemingly a universe apart, light burst 
into planet earth. Not the physical light of the star, but the light of hope, the light of God. Something has changed. And all of time revolves around this moment. Two thousand years ago, a girl, just a girl, somewhere most likely between 14 and 16 years old, a virgin, so young, so innocent. But one night her room erupts into a bright, shining, heavenly light as Gabriel begins to speak to her and tells her she's going to have a baby, but it's no ordinary baby. This baby is the Son of God, and you're going to call his name Jesus. It literally means Yahweh has become our salvation. And he tells him because her that she's going to name him this because he will save his people from their sins. She's engaged. Soon it becomes obvious there's a baby and Joseph knows it's not her, his. He's troubled. He doesn't want Mary punished but he wants to call off the wedding. So the angel comes again. He said, don't call off the marriage, Joseph. This is not any ordinary child. She's been faithful to you, but this is what Isaiah wrote so long ago. Behold, a virgin shall be with child and shall bring forth a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel. You know what Emmanuel means? God with us. This is no demigod. This is no God number two. This is the creator himself coming down and becoming a human being and living amongst us. Nine months go by until one day after hours and hours and hours of riding on a donkey, heading to their hometown, the place where their ancestors are from, they're going to Bethlehem because the Romans have ordered a census. You know, you think our census takers are annoying. Imagine the government calling you and telling you you got to go back to the place your great, 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 great granddaddy was just so we can count you. And all of a sudden, that little paper doesn't seem so bad. The Romans order a census, and everybody must return to their hometown. You see, a donkey ride that far is difficult for anyone, they're not exactly Cadillacs. But imagine a woman in her ninth month of pregnancy with every bump and jostle hurting and causing contractions. As they enter into Bethlehem, the discouragement hits so hard. It's cold. 
it's dark and they can't find a place to stay. You can see looks of worry and fear on Mary and Joseph's face. As one place after another tells them, sorry, there's no room here. Finally, Joseph comes back and said, there's a guy. And he said, we can stay in the barn. Not some cute little barn with nice doors and red paint, but a rough cave with a dirt floor. And there they try to get comfortable, scooting some hay around, shoving Betsy to the side. And then it happens. The water breaks. The contractions begin. Surely Mary must think, not like this. Not here. Not now. He's supposed to be the king. He's supposed to be the son of God. The angel told me so. Not here at the smell of the manure, the dust, the straw, the bugs in the air. The sound of the cattle. It's so dark. It's so cold. It's so dirty. And as you take in the scene, you hear the distinct sound of a woman in labor. How can it be? How can this be the place where Jesus is born? How can any baby be born here? Let alone the king of kings. He's not just a king. He is the king. For all time, for all space. There will be a day when every knee will bow and every tongue will confess and every angel in heaven and every man on earth and every demon in hell will have to open their mouth to say, Jesus is king. And yet here we find him. Not in a beautiful palace. Because he didn't just come to minister to those who have it all. But this is Emmanuel. This is God with us. All of us. The rich, the poor, the up, the down, the educated, the uneducated, the black, the white, the brown, and everything in between. He is a God for us all. A God that reaches right down into the dirt in the stink of this world to minister to us and to change our lives. He will truly be Emmanuel. The screams of pain begin as off in the distance a choir of angels begins to sing to startled shepherds. Wise men following a star from a foreign land is there in the lowliest of places. There in the darkness. As shepherds and magi look on. There is a sound. Like none other 
ever heard. The cry of a baby that has been promised from the beginning of time. It is the sound of God himself stepping in to this world. The creator of the universe, the source of all life, piercing the darkness of sin and shame just to be with us. Light came out of the darkness. Thirty years go by. He's not a baby anymore. He's a strong carpenter. And one day at a wedding, she's not a 14-year-old girl now, but she's a mother of quite a few. God or no God, you don't back talk mama. She says, Jesus, they're out of wine. He said, woman, what's it? It's not my time. Now, that isn't like you, t- teenagers, don't call your mom woman. It won't end well. <laughs> but it was a term of respect then. And in the way a mother, only a mother can, she looks away from him and looks at the servant and says, whatever he tells you to do, do it. It's the only command Mary ever did, gave, do whatever Jesus says. Water is turned into wine. And three and a half years of ministry begin. He heals the sick, the blind see, the crippled walk, the deaf hear. Lives are changed. Broken hearts are put back together. Three and a half years of him being with us. But like that day in the garden, with the whisper of a snake and the bite of an apple, here, once again, It seems as if God's plan has been ruined. 30 pieces of silver. Just the price of a slave. 30 pieces of silver was the cost of a plan 4,000 years in the making. Judas betrays him with a kiss. Jesus is taken, he's beaten, he's whipped. His beard is ripped from his face, a crown of thorns jammed deeply into his head. He is brought right to the edge of death itself. And then he's taken to a hill called Golgotha. They nail him to a cross. And there he hangs, as the song says, on an old rugged tree. you hear that woman's voice crying again. Not in a manger, but at the foot of the cross as her promise dies on the tree.
But you see, he was no ordinary baby. He was born just so that he could die. Because there on that tree, long before we hung ornaments to celebrate his coming, he hung himself upon a tree. When you looked at the cross, there hung the hope of a better tomorrow. There hung the promises of God reaching down to us. There hangs the Lord himself. And after six agonizing hours, you can hear the voice of the Christ as he simply says, it is finished. I did it. It's finished. And when he says it, the sky turns black. The earth begins to shake. Nature itself goes into mourning. And you can hear the echo of that hiss from the garden long ago as it seems like Satan has won. And you can hear his laughter as the enemy of the, our soul does a victory lap. And for days, they feel the despair. His friends, his followers... They feel despair like none other ever felt. To have had him with us and then leave us. It was almost too much for the heart to bear. But once again, darkness gives way to light. As early on the third day, the enemy's laughter comes to a screeching halt as Jesus steps out alive. He stepped out of the darkness of that cave to bring hope and light to every man, woman, and child in this world. He became a man to be with us and he died to pay our debt. He was buried to carry our sin far away, but he rose to give us hope. He rose to give us hope. He ascended into the clouds, but as he left, he told them, wait in Jerusalem until you are endued with power, the power of his spirit. You shall receive power after that the Holy Ghost has come upon you. You see, they had forgotten Jesus' words. You know what I love about the Bible? It's filled with humans, not superhumans. You read it, they're a hot mess. It's only been a couple days, and they already forgot what Jesus told them. He said, I will not leave you comfortless. I'm not going to leave you without comfort. I will come to you. He told them, he said, I'm with you now, but I shall be in you. And just a little while later... 120 people in an upper room on the day of Pentecost. They had been praying. They had been seeking the Lord. And it said all of a the sudden there came a sound from heaven. And it was like a rushing mighty wind. And it filled all the house where they were sitting. And they began to speak with other tongues as the Holy Ghost gave them utterance. It filled them all. And now he's not God with us 
he's got in us. You see, so many people that love Jesus live in despair because all they see is the cross. It is the universal symbol of Christianity. And I'm not preaching against crosses. There's one in the church. I love it. But the problem with the cross is that he's not on there anymore. You see, we don't have a past tense God. He's not a God who was with us. No, he is an ever-present help in the time of trouble. And not only that, he wants to be in us. You see, there was a time, you know, you think, well, the best time to live is where you could walk in and say, that's where Jesus is. But the problem with that, you could say, well, where's Jesus? Oh, he's in the next town. Where's Jesus? Oh, he's in that other country over there. I think it's called Israel. But now, he's not a God that's just in one place. But he's a God that's in us. And wherever you go, he can be with you and in you. Paul said it this way, in him we live, in him we move, in him we have our being, and that we should seek the Lord. If we happily, we might find him if we just reach out for him. He isn't in a manger bed. He isn't hanging on a cross somewhere far away. No, he is the comforter. He's the Holy Spirit. He is that ever-present help in the time of trouble. He is with us if you just reach out for him. See, you think he's far away, but he's not. You just have to reach out. In him we live, in him we move, in him we have our being. And happily, you'll find him if you just reach out for him. So the Jesus who pierced the darkness of despair with the light of hope on that very first Christmas is still here. The Jesus that healed the sick, the Jesus that changed lives, the Jesus that broke, fixed broken hearts is the same Jesus that's here today. He's no different. The scripture tells us Jesus Christ the same yesterday Today and forever. So no matter how dark the world might seem right now, his light can break through any darkness. That is what Christmas is all about after all. It's not about a fat man in a red suit. It's not about a tree with ornaments. It's not about getting presents. It's about the fact that Jesus came just so he could be with us. So that those that sit in darkness can see a great light. There's hope. No matter what, there's hope. Because Jesus came. Stand with me, will you? And would you pray with me right now? Jesus, I love you. I love you, Lord. There is no situation 
too bad for you to minister to. There is no sin too great for your blood to wash away. There is no life too broken for you to put back together. Lord Jesus, there is no darkness that can drown out your light. coming to the end of another year and as humans most of us have the same tendency we begin to take stock of ourselves evaluate things and we're going to pray again in just a moment and then we're going to go have a wonderful time but you know what the gospel of Jesus is It is the fact that Jesus came. He died. He was buried. And he rose again. How does that affect me? How does that affect you? Read Romans and what Paul said. He said, we're buried with him in baptism. I skipped one. The old man dies in repentance. Jesus died on the cross. And so when we repent, our old nature dies with him. I don't want to be that person anymore. I don't want to go my own way. I don't want to do my own thing anymore. I want to be what you want me to be, who you want me to be. And that old man, that old woman dies with him. And what do you do with a dead body? You bury it. And that's what baptism is. It's a burial. And when you go down in the water in Jesus' name, when you come back up out of the water, your past stays behind. That old man, that old woman is gone. They're buried. We die with him in repentance. We're buried with him in baptism. But Jesus didn't stay on the cross, so we can't stay at baptism. And Jesus didn't stay in the tomb. Jesus didn't stay on the cross, so we can't stay at repentance. Though repentance is powerful. Jesus didn't stay in the tomb, so we can't stay at baptism. Though baptism is life-changing. No, Jesus rose again. And so Paul told us that we rise with him in newness of life. That is the infilling of the Holy Ghost. Peter summed it up this way. Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission. That's the washing away, the removal of your sins. And you shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. And the promise is to you and it's to your children. And it's to all that are afar off, even as many as the Lord our God shall call. What does that mean? It's for everybody. So how do you know if you've received the Holy Ghost? There's a universal sign in the New Testament. You will speak in a language that you do not know. Say, that's weird. Oh, yeah, it is. But it's wonderful. How does it work? No idea. None. But the scripture says this. The spirit itself maketh intercession for us with groanings which cannot be uttered. 
You're not smart enough to say everything you need to say. Vasa speaks four languages. And there's still not enough words to tell Jesus everything that's gone on in your life. So Jesus takes over and he speaks through you and it expresses everything that you feel but don't know how to say. He begins to say it for you. And it's real. It's real. It's the only religion growing faster than the human population. The only religion growing faster than Islam is Pentecost. And every 0.7 seconds, 0.7, not 7, 0.7 seconds, another person is filled with the Holy Ghost, speaking in other tongues for the very first time. It is a promise, it is a gift, and it is available to you. And it will change your life. So we're going to pray together before we end this. And I just want you to ask the Lord that he would begin to speak to you and that he begin to open up your heart and that he begin to draw you close. I don't know about you, but I sure would like to be closer to Jesus in 2024. See, you're a preacher, aren't you close? Not as close as I'd like to be. I'd like to scoot up just a little bit more. Jesus, I love you. Because, Lord, you love us. You loved me when I was so unlovely. and didn't deserve it. Lord, I pray you would begin to open up our hearts. Open up our minds. Draw us closer to you. Let us hear your voice say, come, whosoever will come and drink freely. Lord, I thank you for this time of year. I thank you for these good people that just want to be close to you. I give you glory and I give you honor.